Well, I want to give God the praise today, and I want to give him the glory today. My goal today is to inspire you to do better. There's going to be some rough spots, but every time you fly, you know, the captain says, fasten your seatbelt, we're going into turbulence, but you come out of it. So you're going to notice that when I preach, we hit turbulent zones every once in a while. But the reason you keep coming back is because you're tough, because this church ain't for sissies. They don't last. And I'm kind of old-fashioned. I'm just kind of right. Whatever it is that is, there it is. So, Matthew 2. I'm preaching about the gift. Everyone say the gift. Matthew 2 is the story of three enigmatic I use that word so the high schoolers will have to learn it. Three enigmatic wise men. We don't know if there's three. They brought gifts. There's nowhere in the Bible it says three. It just says wise men from the east. And they came and bring gifts to the child Jesus, who by now is somewhere under two years old. He's not in the manger anymore. So we believe they're back in Nazareth, and it says they're in a house. So they're living in a home, and you have to respect these enigmatic characters about which very little is known because they trekked through difficult terrain, hostile surroundings where robberies were common, a.k.a. the Good Samaritan was beaten, was found the man who was beaten and robbed. That was common in those days as you went through that terrain to be robbed, beaten, and thrown to the side. Four months, everyone say four months. We think it took them four months. They had no known relationship to Joseph and Mary heretofore. But for four months, they set out on a journey. They must have had scriptures that apparently had the Old Testament, and they apparently had been reading prophecies about the Messiah, and they apparently had a touch from God in their heart because you either, uh, you better know something if you're setting out for four months in a, a very uh, unfriendly terrain, amen? Because sometimes we walk in unfriendly terrain and we get into trouble. So you have to respect these men. They took a huge risk, but they felt compelled to do two things. They felt compelled to come worship the child Jesus and leave gifts for him of substance. Now, I want to bring that to your mind. Two things we do. We worship Jesus and we do bring gifts of substance. Matthew 2.9 says, and when they heard the king, they departed. They made a little bit of an error. They went up to Jerusalem and had a conference with King Herod and said, we have come to find the king of the Jews, the newborn king. Well, that was news to Herod because he thinks he's king. And uh, he said, oh, by the way, when you guys find him, come back and tell me where he is that I may come and worship. <laughs> so look what he said. When they left Herod, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child where he was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, some of you don't memorize Bible verses, but you're going to memorize one right now. Matthew 2, 10. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Say it with me. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now that's locked into your memory cells from here on, Matthew 2.10. And when they were come into the house, not a manger, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down, worshipped him. They opened up their treasures. Someone say, opened their treasures. They presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now that's where we get the idea that there were three. There were three distinct gifts. I mean, there could have been ten. And three of them might have brought gold, and three of them might have brought myrrh, and four of them might have brought frankincense. But, you know, since the American Christmas play always has three kings, it's easier to go along with it than to try to undo it. So how many understand that? Watch this. Being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. Here is where I'm taking you right now momentarily. When they left, within hours, Joseph had a dream from God, and the Lord said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. Herod is going to seek to destroy the young child. And he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Someone say, Crisis. Now, I could have you all down today. I could have you emoting with tears. I could take you to the manger and tell you how cold it was and poor Jesus just had rags and the stench of the barn. I could get you all down over how Jesus was born into abject poverty. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's a survivor and overcomer. And the last I heard from him, he's on a throne in heaven. He's doing fine. He has arisen. He said, I have overcome the world. I'm the conqueror. I sit high on a throne. I'm running things. Not the UN, not the Washington, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the Libertarians. God is running things. Now give a praise on that. I want you to see the miracle here. Within hours, Joseph had to take a young mother and a young child and head to a foreign country. That would require money. But God met the need because he knew the crisis was coming. And so these wise men were led by God basically to do one thing, take money to sponsor the journey. They didn't even know why they were being led. They were to worship and take substance. The young family now, when Joseph, he awakened Mary and he said, pack, we're leaving right now. We're not waiting until morning. Here's how it was working. Three, four, ten wise men start walking. Four, four months. Here they come. The crisis didn't arise until they got there. Here's us. We get into a crisis. Four months before your crisis arises, 
God has already started sending the answer. God knew this family would need money for hotels and travel, and once they arrived in Egypt, they would have to have rental houses. <clears throat> How's it going to happen? God stirred up some men and had them on the road four months before the crisis. So I'm here to preach to you today, before your crisis ever arises, God has already got the road packed with an answer. It's moving towards you right now. And when they left, Mary looked at Joseph and said, what is this? Who are these weird people? Joseph said, Mary, don't question it. There's a reason. And within hours, they had money to travel, money for the hotel, and money for the rental house. I want you to soak this in. Long before your crisis ever erupts, God has already sent some strange answers headed down to your crisis. Now, why don't you give God a shout on that one this morning? I find something in Christianity today that I would call spiritual immaturity or naivete. Who doesn't love Christmas? The whole story is intriguing. I'd love to hear the music. I'm into it, folks. I want you to know I'm really into it. But the fact of the matter is, we're going to have to move beyond Bethlehem and just quit dressing up in bathrobes every year and walking through hay. We're, up, we're already down the road, folks, waiting for the next coming. We have moved on from Bethlehem. We're getting ready for the next one. Don't miss it. We're in the most expectant hour of the universe. I don't want to miss the second coming. Now, if you come to church here and think we're a little intense, that's all right. We may not be for you. I can understand that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I found out what the world is. It's treacherous. And when the tornado hits, I want the Holy Ghost in my house. And when the trouble comes, I want every ounce of God I can get. He was living in London and he thought he was soon to die. He was very sick. And he was struggling financially. Whoever would have thought that on that day in August of 1741, 280 years ago, George Frederick Handel would be habilitated from an illness at his London home in England. While he sat in a chair with blankets about him and a nursemaid to take care of his personal needs. He was wrapped up. There came a knock at the door. The knock at the door was Charles Jennings, a pastor friend, a vicar. He lived down the street. They were friends. They'd been friends for years. He burst through the door without announcing his entry. And he had in his hand a manuscript that was 100 pages. Charles Jenner did, Jennings. And he said, George, you got to write the music 
to this manuscript. I don't know music, but this is going to be a song, and you've got it, and you've got to write it. And he waved the hundred pages. Mr. Handel looked at him, and he said, Charles, can't you see I'm sick? I don't have the energy to get up and walk to the next room to get my lunch. This is not going to happen. I'm a very sick person. But the pastor was relentless. You must write the melody to these lyrics. I cannot do this. I cannot do it. I'm sick and I can't do this. Charles Jennon would take not a no for an answer. He threw down the manuscript on the table and he walked out the door. He left the hundred pages of Messiah lyrics, no music. He left it on the table. Later in the afternoon, George Frederick Handel mustered enough strength to sit up and begin going through the manuscript. Something happened to Handel. Something inspired this sick man. Something came upon him. He began to hear from heaven melodies he'd never heard. Because you see, when Mr. Jennings wrote the lyrics, it was mostly scripture. So actually, God wrote the Messiah. Would you believe in 24 days, a once formerly very sick world renowned classical music composer finished the scores of this great musical that we have sung for 280 years because God came in his room. He had very little food or very little sleep for 24 days. He even testified. His household servant said this, I do believe I saw all of heaven before me, and I do believe the great God himself on his throne with his company of angels came in this house. And the household servant said, I will testify to the fact something from heaven happened to this man. That was the Holy Ghost before he knew it was the Holy Ghost. One man said, I believe the composition of Handel's Messiah in 24 days is as miraculous as Aaron's rod that budded with fresh almonds. Handel himself said there was one point he felt that Jesus literally came in his room and stood by him and gave him a visit. I'm going to tell you something. Today we are still enamored with the Hallelujah Chorus. That was of September of 1741 over in London. On April, the following April in 1742, in downtown Dublin, the debut, the debut of the Messiah took place. It became an instant, instant hit. The next year it was played for the king. And while they were listening in London, when it came to the Hallelujah Chorus, he never does this because the king never emotes in front of a crowd. But when the Messiah came on the stage, he stood up in honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole crowd stood up. And today, from that point in 1743, it is tradition to stand up 
on the Messiah chorus because the Holy Ghost came on a sick man and gifted him. Everybody here today, and I'm preaching to young people especially, you need to ask God, what is my gift? What gift have you given me? What gift must I hone? What skills must I perfect? What must I study to get the gift that you have given me and use it in the kingdom? Every one of you young people have a gift. Quit wasting it on stuff that doesn't amount to anything. Get off a of TikTok for God's sake and get off of some other stuff and get your head in a Bible and get your knees in a prayer room and say, God, what is my gift? Today from all over the world, the Messiah is performed all the way from Westminster Cathedral to the Russian Orthodox churches in Moscow to the lowliest rural church in America. So who really wrote the Messiah? The Holy Ghost wrote it because most of the words are right out of the Bible. I'm telling you, God is slick, folks. In the day of unbelief, in the day of atheism, in the day of carnality, everywhere around this world, when it comes around this time of year, the hallelujah course rings through the university hallways. It rings out in dormitories. It rings out in the mall. It rings out in the business places. It rings out wherever you go. God got into the middle of our society. And for 280 years, the hallelujah chorus and the Messiah has ruled and reigned at Christmas time because God wanted it. Now give a shout in this house. I am convinced the Holy Ghost came into his room and raised him up gifted him as a composer of this classical musical that lasted 280 years. It will be sung around the world again. It is not uncommon for you to pick up something that says, the Messiah will be performed by the university choir on Sunday at 4 p.m. That's everywhere. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, speak to you her comfortably. Jerusalem, and cry unto her, her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned. That is part of that great song that rings out today. So I am saying to you, young people in this place today, seek your gift, seek the gift. What a message, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If we ever need to know this, if you're not disillusioned with politicians, I soon hope you get a revelation. You need to get so in love with Jesus Christ that they look like little peons playing on the planet. Takes a sick man off of his bed of affliction and he composes something of stature in 24 days? You gotta be kidding me. Handel's Messiah pops up everywhere. It became a national obsession in Great Britain during the Victorian era. It was almost a sin for your local choir in your cathedral not to sing it. But the Hallelujah Chorus has become embedded in the musical fabric of parts that show up in the X Factor to Bridget Jones' diary. Would you believe it even shows up on Dumb and Dumber? 
Philharmonic orchestras across the world that are highly trained still strike up that beautiful chorus. So those men from the east brought gifts for the baby Jesus because in hours he would need to make a stealthy journey to Egypt. I'm here telling you today, your crisis, before you ever get into it, God has already sent. Here comes your help team already. They stopped overnight and they said, where are you going? We're not really sure. We just know God said to go. God is going to meet your need today, the crisis you're in. I don't mean to use something trite, but help is on the way. In Luke eleven thirteen, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Some people say, I just think it's wrong to give gifts, and they get all scrooged up. Well, sweetheart, if it's wrong, you just go ahead and hand that right on down the road. I can even give my address of delivery. But here's what Jesus said. If you guys being carnal, and if you guys being in the flesh know how to give good gifts to your children, Jesus handled this right up. He put it in the Bible so we'd know it's okay. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit that asked them? Jesus said, if you're carnal and you know how to give good gifts, I can outdo you 100 to 1. I will never let anyone outdo me. I am a giver. Yeah, I did. I shopped around for some gifts because I found that verse and it's all right. I looked here and I looked there and got the right stuff, I hope. Yeah, it's kind of, to me, the joy is watching people get the thing that, you know, they were looking for. I want you to know Jesus is a giver. Say it with me. Jesus is a giver. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Say it. One Lord, one faith. You have already memorized two scriptures during this intellectual pursuit. Ephesians 4, 4. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Say it. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father. One God and Father. How many? How many? How many? One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now, I want to drive this into your brain so that when you're left alone some night and somebody's asking you how many gods are there, this is so ingrained in you that you just pop up and if, you, if you're sick on a bed and you can't even get up, just go. Wherefore, he said when he led captivity captive and ascended on high, he gave gifts. He's a giver. Young people, if you get nothing out of this message, you seek the gift God gave you. 
Go find a place to pray or get in your car and drive some dark night. And just say, God, what's my gift? I believe that message. You're probably not called to do many things real good. But you're called to do one thing very good. And you got to find it because God's gifted it. And when God gifts it, something's going to happen. Jesus gave gifts unto men, say it, and gave gifts. I mean, you're just popping memorization today. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, the word covet here means to strongly desire. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Say it with me. Scripture number three. 14 and one, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. You know what that means? But rather that you may preach. Preaching is prophecy. So many people miss the main point of Luke chapter 11. And this is kind of a part where I'm taking you today. And I hope I'm not boring you. I hope you can stay with me and I hope I can deliver. In chapter 11, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw Jesus going off to the side somewhere and praying all night. And they said, how do you do that? What are you saying? So Jesus says, well, listen, you pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, etc." And then, I watch very carefully. Here's where people stop. The first 13 verses are a sequence that wind up with a theme. Take, it took me a while to get this, but I got it. You don't stop with the Lord's Prayer. Keep reading. When you get to nine, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 11.9. Now, let's memorize one more scripture. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. And is there anything that's doubtful in that verse? Is there any scintilla of doubt? Not a smidgen. It's all positive. Now watch what he says. Everyone who asks receives. Not special people. Everybody. Everyone say, everybody. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Now watch where we're going. If any of you who are a father has a son and he asks bread of you, would you give him a stone? Hey, Dad, can you make me some toast? Sure. Son, your toast's done. He comes to the table and there's a rock on his plate and you're going, <laughs> sick. That'd be a sick dad. Or if your son would ask of you a fish, Dad, can we go through Long John Silver's? I guess. <laughs> and then you give him a snake? Sick. Only a sick dad does that. Or if you would ask of him
an egg. Dad, could you fry me an egg before I run off to school? Sure. How many of you got that spray grease? What's it called? I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's not butter. It's Pam. Son comes down the stairs and, son, your egg's ready. And there's a scorpion on the plate. Somebody say, sick dad. What's a real dad do? Good toast. Good fish. Nice eggs. What Jesus is saying, now, now here's the catch. If you being carnal, if you being earthly, if you being in the everyday workaday world, the, the word evil here is a little off on the translation from the Greek, I understand, you can go many ways. If you being carnal know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Did you know Luke 1 through 13 is all about receiving the Holy Ghost? The whole passage is about receiving the Holy Spirit. 1 through 13. If ye then being evil, now I want you to say something here. I want you to say, how much more? Say it with me. I want you to say it intensely. How much more? How much more? You know all that stuff you got for Christmas? Jesus is going to walk by your house and go, yeah, I can outdo that 100 to 1. I got stuff for you. You don't know what I got for you. But I ain't been hearing you knocking lately, and I ain't been hearing you asking lately, and I don't see you seeking. So you need to start asking, and you need to start seeking, and you better start knocking. Because I got gifts heretofore you have never discovered. There are gifts headed your way, but you got to want them. You got to want them. If you want to rebuff somebody, when they give you your gift, you just sit there and look dumb and don't open it. Look unappreciative. You'll hurt that person. I wonder if Jesus is hurt today. He's offered the world's greatest gift called the Holy Ghost. And I think it's about time we better be seeking, knocking, and asking. Somebody talk to me. Now, I'm going to admit something. You can take these verses and get a lot of stuff. Ask and it shall be given you. You can get a brand new car if you pray that. If you get on your knees and say, God, I need a new car, you can get one. God does mean that too. I walked in the house one day, got the good news that some of you husbands have gotten after a long day. And Deborah met me at the door and she said, oh, we got a problem. I said, oh, just one? Yeah, she said, I think the washer quit. <laughs> well, when the washer quits, there's no fresh socks and stuff. I'll let you imagine the stuff. Uh, she said, what are you going to do? She said, I don't know. But she said, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I'm done with these fancy washers that are paying $1,500 for stuff like that. Went to Sears. She told the guy, I want the cheapest thing you got on the floor with the least amount of knobs. 
and I want clean clothes. And the guy said, How, do you want to buy this warrant? He said, not on your life. She said, if I'm going to be coming in there every three years, I want the junkiest junk you got that gets my clothes clean because I'm not going to pay 1500 for something that breaks down in three years and it costs 500 to fix it. And folks, that baby is still a whirling. They'll sell you bells and whistles you don't even need. In fact, you can't even run it. I stood in front of our oven the other day trying to fix some fish sticks for lunch. Deborah was gone. Never did get them. <laughs> Don't you tell anyone I'm too stupid to turn an oven on. I used to be able to. But now they got this other stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? Too many bells and too many whistles. Keep it simple, stupid. Somebody preach with me this morning. Hey, folks, I want to have a good time. This is Christmas. This is Christmas. I'm going to tell you, you can get a lot of stuff out of that verse. You can pray this prayer and get a car. You can get a washer and a dryer. You can get some new clothes, get some new shoes. I'm wearing some shoes this morning, and Deborah said, don't tell anyone, but this morning when you were sitting there, you got a hole in your shoe. I said, that makes me sick because I hate new shoes. Then I read where the queen has a woman who wears her shoe size. And when she gets new shoes, this woman has to wear them for about six months to break them in because the queen doesn't want sores on her feet. That's just trivia, totally irrelated. <laughs> but it got a laugh. So I went to the shoe shop and I said, man, can you put on new soles and new heels? Man, I walked out there. These things look brand new and feel good. Again, irrelevant. Jesus is basically talking about here receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This whole thing leads up, how much more shall your heavenly Father give? Now, here's the problem we have today, and here's the problem we have today. We think in order to receive the Holy Ghost, you got to be in a state of emotional hysteria, almost flying. Where's BJ? I hope he's here now that I call his name. Sat right there where you sit on a Monday night. We just laid hands on him and began to speak a new language. All you got to do is ask. And you got to be 100% in your heart, I want this. I want these gifts. Say it with me. I want every gift God has for me. Young people, you can pack your head full of university knowledge, but you need to find out the gift God gave you. Go seek the gift God gave you. God is never going to be outdone, folks. You can't outgive God. And I'm starting to close. Notice, just starting. Peter said unto them, 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know when God called me to preach, he called me to preach five things. This was one of them. So if you come to this church, you're going to hear the Holy Ghost a lot. You're going to hear a lot about tongues. Man came here one time. He said, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. And I thought, well, save yourself the trouble. There's other churches. We speak in tongues here, and we ain't going to stop now. because you, Just because you arrived, we're not going to stop the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? Non-offensive, just honest. You shall receive the gift. Everybody say, the gift. The purpose of the manger was to produce a child, to live a sinless life, to preach for three and a half years, to die on a cross, to be buried for three days, and to resurrect after three days, and then go to heaven, and 50 days later, pour out the gift. So we can't stay at the manger and dress up in bathrobes and run into sheep and straw every year and just play in the manger. We're going to have to get honest about this thing. God's got gifts. We need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the gift. I'm telling you, God's the greatest giver, and here's where I'm going. You shall receive. I want you to look at that verse. You shall receive. Now, in my search, boy, you're gonna, you are really going to wax intellectual this morning. Now we're going to Greek. Can we give me a next slide? I hope there's another one. I did this when I was semi-conscious between a state of slumber and uh, awakeness. I looked up the word receive in Greek. Here's how some people feel about God. Well, if he wants me... If God wants me to get something, he knows my address. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just waiting on God. Hey, the waiting's over. They wait in the upper room 10 days. They did that for you. It's here. Somebody shout, it's here. It's here. The word receive is lambano. Uh -huh. You know Greek now. You are now a Greek scholar. I got to thinking about what does receive mean? You know, there's a song called, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours, you see. Only old people remember that. Obviously, I'm very old. Here's what lambano means. Not to refuse. Do not refuse the Holy Ghost. To take with the hand, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. To take upon oneself, to take in order to, I come to church to get some gifts to carry away. I'm not going to come here and go through all this business of getting dressed up. At my age, it's a job to get dressed like I'm looking. It takes work. 
but I'm not going to go through all that and go home empty. I'm going to reach out and get some stuff. I'm going to grab some gifts. Because I'm going to tell you, Heavenly Father is going to outdo your Christmas 100 to 1. He's got spiritual stuff. You gotta be aggressive to take upon one, to take in order to carry, to take what is one's own. These are for you. I'm gonna show you. I'm just gonna stop right now. If you're between the ages of 10 and You know what you just saw? You have to become like a child. We sit in church all prissed up. We sit in church all Holy Ghost up. We sit in church all holied up. And every once in a while we let a gossip slip out. And we send a zinger toward the person over across the other section. I don't know why he lets them in this church. I don't know why they're allowed to even be here. Well, we could send them to hell. Now, if you really want that, I can clear out a lot of stuff with, with a few terrible words. Only problem is it might take you with them. Because if you start nipping on people, you've got a sin problem. You never criticize one of God's kids. You don't criticize one of God's kids because it cost him everything to get them here today. To take what is one's own, to make one's own, to claim, to procure. I am coming to a close. I have no idea how long I've preached and I frankly right now you don't know because your phone's off. People need to pursue this gift. Here's what I've noticed. We're too passive toward the gift of the Holy Ghost. Too many churches in America have become too complacent. You can go to some churches for one year and never hear, hear one word about the Holy Ghost. It's not even preached in the pulpit. I hear a lot of people putting it down from pulpits. But I'm going to tell you something. This needs to be the main and center stage of the coming church. Because I've looked ahead. I've looked ahead. And what we're going to need is more Holy Ghost than we've ever had. One church wrote to Jesus and said, we don't need to pray for anything because we're rich, we're increased with goods, and have need of nothing. 